Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, We're recording this on Tuesday, February 13th. Tomorrow is Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent. Uh, So I need to bring on the man who's always with us, Father Brian Barr. How are you, Father? Hey, Lorenz. How you doing? Good, good. So uh, like I said, tomorrow's the beginning of Lent, uh, so it's kind of appropriate that we talk about it. So uh, uh, kick us off. I mean, uh, your initial thoughts going into Ash Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's uh, <laughs> start of or on the eve of a uh, real busy day. Uh, like Ash Wednesday, which is the the beginning of this uh, six week season. Um, I tell you, in some ways, it's the it's probably certainly one of the the, the busiest, you know, most uh, attended uh, days in the in the whole church year. Um, Huge numbers of people will come out, um, kind of all day long, really. Um, you know, it's a, uh, <clears throat> it's interesting. It's um, you kind of get everybody kind of comes out in in a, in a way. You'll get people who are uh, certainly like regular churchgoers. They're going to go for kind of obvious reasons at the beginning of this very important time, uh, and then you get people who are not. You know, really not regular church goes at all. I don't. Maybe you get them at Christmas and Easter, and and probably the third would be uh, maybe there's three or four, maybe Ash Wednesday, maybe Palm Sunday, and and that that in some cases is is really it. So I guess um, the day probably means different things to different people depending on uh, who they are, and the whole season of Lent means different things to different people. Um, you know the 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 forty days of Lent, you know, connects with um, corresponds to Jesus's time in the desert. You know, before he began his ministry, kind of right before he goes public in a way. So what we try to do is, um, in our own way, I guess create like a <clears throat> what's often called like a desert experience. I mean, the desert was a generally not a pleasant place to be. It was a it was an uncomfortable and dangerous and lonely place and Jesus willingly <clears throat> entered into that experience and that place um, for this period of time to kind of prepare himself he had the uh, you know uh, encounter with temptation and, and the devil so and, and, and we're really supposed to in our like I said in our own way I guess do do the same thing um, different ways in which that's played out. Uh, we have days throughout the year. I mean, I'm sure you know, and most people know, when we fast. Um, the Fridays of Lent, we you know we refrain from eating meat. I think uh, you know certainly just prayer. Trying to you know say, all right, let me get. I've always kind of thought about it. It's almost like a. Uh, it's almost like spring training. Um, you know, you're getting you're getting ready for the beginning of or or the, in our case, you're getting ready for Easter. Really, like the most important day of our year, and there's the whole Easter mystery. Um, so we have these, these weeks where we just kind of maybe spiritually get in shape, uh, challenge ourselves, challenge each other um, to just become more Christ-centered and, you know, faith-driven. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be, be kind of the start of it. Um, here in, in St. Mary's, and this is the case everywhere, there'll be you know, you'll have a couple of masses throughout the day. You'll have uh, where the ashes will be distributed. You'll also have a couple of just uh, word services where 
Um, the ashes will also be distributed. You know, it's here's like the here's like the encouraging part about the day. I think um, I think it's an expression. You know, for those people who are pretty much never really here or rarely here, at least it's something. Like it may be kind of minimal. Um, it's not the ideal. <laughs> Coming to mass on Sunday is a whole lot more important. And receiving the Eucharist is is a whole lot more important than receiving ashes tomorrow. Um, but they're still here, and and I think uh, I think what, what what church people should be doing. I hope most pastors are doing, and um, ministers are just saying, okay, well let's let's seize the day here. Um, funny when I uh, like I mentioned before, I used to work. One of my previous assignments was uh, campus ministry, and I worked at a, a number of college campuses. And I realized after my first year that Ash Wednesday was actually the biggest day of the year for us because we've got a school calendar, uh, so we're not there on Christmas. Most of the time, you wouldn't be there on Easter. Um, so, so Ash Wednesday would really be the biggest day, or the day when we get the, the biggest numbers of people. So I just. Uh, you know, with the campus ministers we had and our staff, we'd be like, hey, this is it. This is the day to kind of strike, you know, uh, all hands on deck. So we would be, you know, really present on the campuses. And and again, like the parishes, to be tons of, in this case, college kids who would be showing up, most of whom I didn't recognize and hadn't seen all semester. But they showed up on this Wednesday in, you know, February or March, whenever it was, and our our hope was like okay well let's let's meet them where they're at and uh, hopefully inspire them hopefully challenge them uh, invite them you know try and get them get them to come down on Sunday evening for mass uh, maybe plug into some event that was going on uh, in the campus ministry office and it's really the you know same principle on the parish level um, in fact tomorrow what we're going to do is. Uh, in Long Beach here, where we live, um, you know, we're going to go out in the morning uh, and go over to where the Long Island Railroad Station and uh, distribute ashes there. Um, we got a, a book by uh, Matthew Kelly, who's a mm. great Catholic writer. Um, we bought a thousand of these uh, books. And it's really just a, it's a, almost like a, it's a 40 chapter book, which has little just reflections about Christ, Christ more than anything. Um, the name of it is, uh, I think it's Rediscovering Jesus. So, you know, I'm going to stand at the train station and offer offer the ashes and give them the book, people, if they want it. Um, and the hope is, you know, maybe somebody who hasn't said a prayer in a long time, uh, maybe they'll, they'll say yes to the ashes and they'll say yes to the book. And when they're taking the 50-minute the commute into the city, they'll open up the book and... You know, maybe, maybe it could be the spark of something, the start of something. So there's the upside. Oh, that's it's, awesome. It's opportunity, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, so let's take let's take a step back. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Ash Wednesday for a couple more minutes, then we'll move on for the rest of Lent. Uh, but you said a ton of people are coming out for ashes, but at the end at the end of the day, what's with the ashes, Father? <laughs> Why do we get ashes on our head on uh, on Ash Wednesday? Right, right. Well, you know, really, I think uh, ultimately what it really symbolizes is. Uh, Kind of an act of humility, really, because what we're saying is we're sinners. Um, you know, in the early church, 
I mean, the really early church, like right after, right, you know, in the, in the days of the apostles and, and shortly after, uh, when people would become, when people would join, you know, the, the, the Christian community, when they joined the, the early church, there was this whole process of, um, I don't know, like just um, re an experience of repentance where people would have to, you know, in a very in a big way kind of acknowledge their sinfulness and uh, go through this pretty involved, almost like purification experience, which would last a, a long period of time. Um, it was really all part of this whole conversion reality. So the ashes would be just a symbol of uh, sin, our own personal sinfulness. So that's really what, that's what they mean. And that's, that's why we have them. Now, people have, uh, I don't know, they've kind of, I guess, you know, maybe reinterpreted the, what, what, they, what they mean and why we have them. I think some people see it as a, just kind of like as a blessing. Um, and I wouldn't say it's not that, but um, it really wouldn't be the, the primary reason for it. Um, I think others see it as, uh, it is an interesting, you know, you, you think about it, you're walking around with, with this image on your forehead. Like that's about as front and center as you can get. You can't really hide it's not like you can put on a hat and hide that, or it's not even—it's not a tattoo that you can throw a sweatshirt over and, and nobody sees it. Like you, you got those ash, that cross on your forehead, people see it. So you're making a statement. I think there's power in that. Um, you know, I was over at uh, the our, our parish, uh, the, the regional school down here, Long Beach Catholic. I was talking to we had adoration yesterday with uh, middle schoolers and. Talking a little bit about Lent, and I just said, "Hey, you know, guys, you're gonna you're gonna receive the ashes in, in two days. You know, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, Ash Wednesday." I said, "That's easy. Like that's easy. You're in a school where everybody's gonna receive them. Everybody's a Christian. Uh, you know, it's not just it's like, it's like wearing a uniform. You know. Um, however, when you leave school, and if you got uh, a cross practice." Or you got to go for uh, you know a guitar lesson, and you're going to go into an environment where nobody else has got these uh, got this religious symbol thing. What are you going to do? Like, would you you going to keep it on? You know, or are you going to say, all right, let me let me let me get rid of this now because now it's kind of uncomfortable. Well, that's that's part of the point. Like the cross is uncomfortable. Um, so if we're only you know displaying it or professing it in in safe company, then I think we're kind of missing, missing the point. Um, so I think with the, the uh, identity thing, I, I think there's something to be said there. Like it is a way of expressing who you are uh, in, a, in, a, in a public way. You don't even have to open your mouth. You just, you're making a statement by just visi visibly seeing it. Um, but I think ultimately it's, or uh, fundamentally what it's really supposed to be is a communication of Hey, I'm a sinner, and in these next couple of weeks, I need to look at that. I need to, I need to confront my own sinfulness, and you know, as, as best as I can, um, transcend it. Um, so you have, in the course of these weeks, different ways of doing that. Um, but that would be the big. That would be the big part of the uh, of the ashes. You know, when you you receive the ashes, you, you, there's one of two things are said. One is kind of just an acknowledgement that 
we're dust uh, and we're gonna die <laughs> and we're gonna return to dust so basically you're gonna die you're not gonna live forever so get serious about this limited life that you got and the other one is pretty much the same thing it just says uh, turn away from sin and be faithful be faithful to the gospel so kind of get it together like look look at look at the life you're living um, what's not right what needs to be uh, changed in order to get it to where it was meant to be you know I, I think that that that's the way it's supposed to be uh, for a lot of people you know it becomes uh, kind of an odd experience of changing your diet for six weeks um, okay I can't have meat can't have meat this Friday so I all I got it you know I got to make sure I eat something else so I'll you know I'll go for a slice of pizza well you know the perp the point of the of the, the no meat thing is supposed to it's supposed to be kind of like a you know it's a little sacrificial expression um, well if I go for a slice of pizza <laughs> I don't know about you but I love pizza so if I'm having a slice now <laughs> just sort of like you do it and run uh, if, we, if we just do this substitution thing what are we really achieving um, so I think it's, and I'm not saying, all right, then blow off the no meat thing. I'm not saying, I mean, don't eat meat on Friday, the next six six Fridays. But if that's the beginning and the end of Lent, uh, and maybe the ashes tomorrow, I'd say, kind of not not really getting it. We're not really getting it. Um, well, I think I think more and more, you know, uh, everybody always talks about uh, what am I giving up? What am I giving up for Lent? And um, well, there's chocolate, there's soda, people give up uh, the craziest stuff. And uh, I mean, that that's kind of going along with what you're saying with no meat on Friday. You're giving that stuff up and it's a sacrifice, but uh, it, it just doesn't seem enough from what you're saying. Um, you know, it, it, in fact, you should be doing something or being a little bit more proactive about your faith. Uh, maybe some concentrate on that uh, during Lent instead. I think so. I think so. You know, it, I think it's it, it probably really it, the... Uh, the no meat rule really ought to be more of a, a reminder than anything. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, all right, all right, I can't eat meat, so you know, it's maybe a little mini mini uh, sacrifice. But that should lead me to then say, yeah, but wh what else am I doing, or what else do I need to do? That's going to mean a lot more than what I'm eating or not eating. I mean, say, you know, hey, if 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 you're able to have a direct conversation with Jesus, and he and you said to him, okay, here here's the deal. Um, I'm gonna give up. Uh, I'm gonna. Give, uh, I'm certainly gonna follow the. You know, no no meat for the next bunch of Fridays, and I'm also gonna give up. Uh, I don't know, dessert and ice cream and uh, beer, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I kind of like. Uh, I enjoy. I'm giving that up. Good. I mean, that, that's a good thing. Here's an alternative. Like, what if? What if you said to Jesus, "Well, I've got." Uh, my grandmother is in a nursing home, and I don't see her nearly as much as I should. And uh, I find it tough going there. I find it tough being with her there. It's sort of just it's kind of depressing. And and as a result, I'm I'm kind of an idiot. I don't I don't go. She deserves to have her grandson or daughter be there. And I'm kind of blowing her off. And uh, I'm going to make a, like a serious commitment to that. For Lent, I'm gonna get there. Uh, I'm gonna get there every week. So you got 
the end of Lent, you, you, you meet with Jesus, so he meets with you. <laughs> you say, he says, okay, how'd your Lent go? And you say, well, I, 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 met my, I, I hung out with, with my grandmother for six or seven or eight times, and um, I feel really good about that. And they weren't all great meetings. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, but I was there, and she was happy that I was there. Ver there's one. Here's the, old, the other one is, well, I... I just had a lot of ravioli, you know, and um, ziti in uh, for for a bunch of Fridays. Like, that's a no brainer. Like, which which one is, which one was bigger? Which one was more important? Um, you know, I, I think again for a person who's really not dialed in, in terms of church, getting the ashes makes that person feel good. It's like, all right, well, I did something. I'm not really, I'm not really going to church kind of ever, and maybe I'm not even really praying much, but I feel good about this. That's what I used to see on, uh, I think that was, I just think it's kind of an interesting psychology, like, what's, what's going through a person's head? Um, like, when I was with the college kids, I, th I think for a lot of them, it was that, it was, well, I'm, I'm probably, probably almost spiritually dead, like, there was nothing, very little going on, uh, Certainly nothing in terms of church, but this one day I go and I get the ashes and that, I feel good about that. I feel like I did something. Um, and I think that's part of it. I, 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 that's, at least that's my, my kind of theory. It's, I'm, doing, I'm doing something. Um, it's not a lot, but it's more than nothing. And maybe to, like I was saying before, just for the, for the church to try to tap into that and maybe... Uh, you know, kind of nurture that a bit to see if, if it can become more than just ashes and pizza, you know? I mean, I know one thing that you've mentioned, uh, you know, if there are going to be weekly masses saying, hey, uh, I'm going to get to one, two, maybe even three of these masses during the week uh, on top of the masses on Sunday. Uh, I know you've mentioned that in the past too. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, I, I mean, you probably hear it more than anybody. What do you think the most uh, creative thing that somebody's given up or uh, or proactively done uh, d during Lent? Huh. I you know um, I remember uh, this was a kid I knew uh, when I was, I was high school chaplain. Um, great kid. His name was uh, Sean, and he uh, uh, when he was in college. I still uh, I, I ended up I was living I was in his happened to be living in his parish at the time. So I kind of knew him as both a parishioner and as a, as a student. Uh, one Lent in college, he said he was going to write a letter every day to someone and just express, you know, his feelings for the person, his, his, his gratitude for whatever it was about the person. So he was like... Uh, pretty much 40 letters, 40 people and 40 letters he was going to have to do. And which I thought, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, you not only is it writing 40 letters, it's it's writing 40 letters. Like, you got to stop and think, okay, what am I going to say? Like, what am I going to, you know, and, and it was more than, it had to be more than like a you know, three-sentence, hi, how are you kind of thing. It was, you know, I think it was at least a couple of paragraphs uh, each day. So, you know, I mean, man, look, look at the good that could come of that. Like, just being more reflective, more grateful, you know, appreciative of, of people and people in, in your life. Um, 
So I remember just, I was really kind of like, I was blown away by that one. I thought that was just such a great, such a great uh, and creative uh, plan, you know, for, for Lent. How about you? You got any, can you think of any that were really interesting? Um, yeah, I mean, along those lines, it's, it's, it wasn't a letter. Um, but a few years ago, I thought to myself, you know, let me, let me try to just give somebody a call. Let me, uh, let me reach out to somebody, a uh, correspondence that I haven't spoken to in the past couple of years, somebody who I might've been close friends with with high school, but over time, you know, just kind of drifted away from them and, uh, or maybe same thing, uh, you know, college friend who I was close with drifted away from and just give them a call, ask them how they're doing and, uh, and just catch up with somebody, you know, just really, uh, like reconnecting with somebody, uh, uh, tried to do that, but, uh, okay. So, uh, that, that'll lead me to my next question. I remember that I was committed to that, uh, during that year. Uh, the first week was awesome. <laughs> second week, uh, not so much. Third week was even probably worse than the second week. Um, so talk to me, you know, talk to somebody who's started off strong and then really halfway through Lent looked back and said, you know, my Lent hasn't been as, as good as I, I thought it should be. Um, you know, your thoughts or, or what's your advice to, to that person? Well, you know what? I, I, I find, I think usually, uh, I don't really plan this, but I, I find myself usually by like the uh, the third or the fourth Sunday of Lent. Um, uh, I'll say, you know, in the, in the context of a homily, I'll say something about like we're kind of at that halfway point, and uh, you know, it's not over. So, so if it's going great, well, needless to say, keep it going. But say it hasn't. Say, say you di- you didn't even plan anything uh, on the beginning you know, on Ash Wednesday. You've basically done nothing. Well. We got the back nine now. Like try to try to make try to salvage this Lent, or like your your question. If say you started out and you were really killing it, and then it just uh, you kind of drifted. Like 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 all things in life. Uh, first of all, number one, we're not gonna we're not gonna be perfect with this stuff. So I just think it's um it's kind of an acknowledgement of okay, let's let let me regroup and let me let me start it again. I I also think you got to be realistic. Like don't. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I mean, if you get it, my mom telling me, uh, my grandfather, who I never knew, but uh, you know, he died before I was born. But she said that this was like back in the, in the 50s, I guess. He was uh, he'd give up smoking for Lent, and my mom said it was like my mom and my grandmother. Their family was basically pleading with him after about a week to go back smoking because he was a nightmare. He just was <laughs> cranky and you know irritable, and so. Like he was, he was making life, he was, yeah, he was just making life impossible for, for everybody. So I'm then probably not, that was probably not a great, uh, a great plan of action, you know, for, for Lent. If, if you're just going to become impossible to be around and whatever, you, you, you're doing more than you're capable of or be realistic. You know, I, I guess I just say be realistic. Um, hey, it's also this, you, you hear this a lot. I hear this a lot when people talk about, with confession, um, people who come to confession and they'll they'll say, uh, I, "I feel like I'm, uh, you know, I'm either either kind of a fraud or I'm a hypocrite because I I keep confessing the same thing or the same stuff, same things." And uh, I'm like, "All right, you know, I, doesn't go to confession. You know, we acknowledge our sinfulness, we ask for forgiveness, we make a a commitment to to do better, but we don't we don't make promises to." To never 
commit the sin again. I mean, that's the hope. That's the hope, of course. But chances are that, that I'm going to be revisiting this this issue and this this sin. So a little bit like that. Like you know, if I, if you kind of fall off the uh, the Lent train, just get back on it. Not you know, don't be like ah, I screwed this one up. You know, uh, I'll just I'll I'll do it better next year. No, do it better today. You know, I don't care if it's the second week or the fifth week of, of Lent. If it's, say, say I, I did nothing for the first five, but the last one or, or Holy Week, I really focus for Lent. Congratulations, you know, great Lent. Um, so yeah, you know, don't, be realistic. Don't, don't do more than, you, than you're capable of. Because, you, you know, I think sometimes when we do that in life, you get discouraged and then <laughs> sometimes it can go the opposite direction. We end up, you know, and it's a really backfiring. So be real about it. But when we when you trip, get back up and get back in the fight. So let me ask you: uh, some parents with kids in high school, kids in middle school—that's uh, one of the toughest ages, obviously. What what's some advice to those parents to get their kids involved in Lent and and to have a good Lent with them? Well, I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned mass. Um, you know, when I was a kid. Um, my parish, they'd always add an evening mass, uh, whatever it was, seven or seven thirty or eight, and um, that was a great thing. I, that was a great thing. I, um, I'm not saying that I, I loved going so much when I was a kid, but uh, I've got two older brothers. I got a, a little sister, mom and dad. You know, I think probably during during Lent, like almost every night, there was some combination of a few of us that were making our way to mass. I mean, it was probably never all of us and. I don't think any one person went every every night uh, day, you know, every night. But knowing it was there and saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a couple nights a week. I'm gonna go when I can." Um, you know, again, it's like you're getting away. It, it becomes to me that becomes like a unlike the uh, giving up, giving up cheeseburgers and substituting it, uh, substituting pizza. Like, okay, what did I really accomplish there? Not a whole lot. Take the mass one. It's like okay, uh, there's, a, there's a show, a TV show that I love. You know, it's on once a week um, at seven thirty, and I want to watch the show. All right, I'm giving that up. I'm not going to watch the show, and I'm substituting it with the Eucharist. Okay, there's a smart um, Lenten practice. It's not just not watching some stupid show. It's yeah, that's that's a, that's a sacrifice that hurts a little bit. That's good to do that, but if I can also if I can swap that out with something like going to mass, uh, if that's realistic, if that's possible to do here at St. Mary's. Um, uh, actually, this year we're, we're kind of partnering with uh, St. Ignatius, the next parish over, so we're splitting it. Uh, Monday and Tuesday we got an evening mass here. Wednesday, Thursday mass down at Ignatius, and then uh, on Friday the Stations of the Cross uh, at both parishes. Um, so anyway, long answer, I'd say some aspect of prayer, uh, the best prayer we've got is the Eucharist. So if that, if that's possible to do for adults, if you are able to, uh, get to a morning mass, if, you know, if that means getting up early again, it's like, okay, yeah, there's a, there's a 645, two towns over. That's going to mean getting up a half hour earlier for six weeks. Good. Like there's a sacrificial thing. You know, little mini sacrifice, just getting up early. But I'm getting up early 
to receive the Eucharist. So it just becomes, I think, like a one-two punch. Um, prayer for sure. Maybe it can't be Mass. Maybe it's just saying, hey, I'm going to get up. I'm just going to give, uh, I'm going to do 10 minutes, 10 minutes of prayer. Uh, get, getting a book, like this book that I mentioned, uh, the Matthew Kelly, uh, Matthew Kelly book. And there's tons of books out there that are, you know, made for Lent where it's a, it's a short read. It's a, it's a two page reflection. It might be, uh, the gospel of the day. Uh, you read the gospel and then, you know, you can get the gospel online, uh, the gospel that will be read at Mass, and then there's the little booklet's got, you know, somebody's somebody's take on it, somebody's interpretation of it. You read that, or you do this: you you read the gospel, you do your like you say, okay, I, what does this mean? What do I what if, if I had to get up and explain this to somebody? Um, what would I say? And then you read this this other person's uh, interpretation, see how maybe where you connected with each other, maybe you didn't. Um, that takes five minutes. That takes seven minutes. You do that every day. Um, I also think what happens is you do that every day, and when Lent's over, you're gonna continue to do it because it's just you realize this wasn't this was. I'm better. I'm 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 more on my game when I'm doing this. I'm a, I'm a better. I'm a better person. I'm a better father. I'm a better son. I'm a better friend. Uh, you know whatever whoever you are. So uh, I'd say prayer would be would probably be the most important part most important piece to factor in one last question from my end uh, your thoughts on you know pairing uh confession or reconciliation with uh with lent or or, or, or trying to get to confession at least once during lent i mean uh, i know that uh the past few years um at least our parish uh, we've gotten you've gotten a bunch of priests together um for this uh huge group gathering for confession. Um, one, are you going to be doing that again this year? And uh, and two, just again, your thoughts on it. Sure. Yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, not forget the date, actually, but we're going to have it uh, kind of like we're doing with the two parishes with Mass. Well, we're going to do the same thing uh, with a penance service. Um, also on uh, Monday of Holy Week, uh, any church you go to in the diocese, uh, actually, it's more than a diocese. It's Rockville Center, it's Diocese of Brooklyn, it's the uh, Archdiocese of New York, um, and I'm sure there's, there's others that are doing this now. From 3 o'clock until 9 o'clock, any church you go to, uh, there's going to be at least one priest uh, available for confession. He'll be in the box. So um, that's that's a great thing. What's really cool about that, too, for people is they may, they may be like, well, I know, I, I know I need to go to confession. I'd kind of prefer to go in a more, like a really anonymous way. So I'm going to hit... You know, on my way home from work, I'm just going to stop at a church I pass by every day, uh, you know, where there's a complete sense of, uh, you know, I don't know the priest, the priest doesn't know me, I'm more comfortable with that. Some people are the opposite. Some people, they, they want to go to the priest they know. You know, whatever, it doesn't matter who you go to or whether you know him or not, but I think that would be to try to plug into that. It's just a practical convenience thing. You know, I think, you know, Lent is... It's about, I think, like ultimately, it's sort of about freedom. It's about looking at at the, the parts of my life which take my freedom away uh, and 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 make me less of you know the person I was I was born to be. Um, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. I don't know if you saw the movie um, 127 Hours. Did you see that? It was about uh, no. 
Is this no, guy Aaron? No, is this guy yeah, Aaron? It's a true story. Aaron Ralston. He was a uh, is a uh, outdoorsman, a hiker, and uh, that's the one with uh, James Franco. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. In fact, he pl- he plays him. Uh, this um, like super fitness outdoor outdoors guy. I think like triathlon competitor. This is about fifteen years ago. He goes hiking um, in Utah in this very remote area. He's alone, doesn't tell anybody he's even going. And this uh, there's this rock slide, I guess, and he gets trapped. This gigantic 800-pound boulder lands on this guy's arm. And he just can't possibly move it. And he's in the middle of nowhere, really remote. And like I said, he didn't even tell he didn't tell anybody that he was going hiking or where he was going hiking. So he spent five days. Five days trapped under this thing. He had a bottle of water. He had two burritos. Um, you know, and by day three, he was realizing, uh, he's like, I'm going to die. Um, no one even knows. It'll be it'll be a couple of days before they realize I'm missing. When they realize I'm missing, they're not even going to know where to look. Um, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. So, and I can't get this, this boulder off my arm. Um, anyway... What he eventually does is he he it's kind of kind of gross, but he uh, he cuts his arm off. He had a like a little little pocket knife, very basic pocket knife, and amputated his arm, released him from the rock, uh, and then and he makes it home or he makes it to safety. Repelled, it's insane. He repelled down a sixty foot cliff minus his arm. Um, hiked a few more miles, you know, delirious, starving dehydrated and was rescued um anyway the reason i tell the story is i remember well he wrote a book detailing the story which i guess was the basis for the movie and i remember when the book came out he was you know doing the book tour and interviews and at one point uh the interviewer said to him uh you know you're reliving to write in writing this book you had to revisit in your mind like the worst moment of your life like how tough was that and it was his response that I remember just really kind of being uh, intrigued by. He said, you know, I know, you, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it wasn't the worst moment of my life. Um, <laughs> and she was like, the interviewer was like, okay, you had to cut your arm off. You know, like, what else did happen in your life that was worse than that? Like, come on, like, what else? What, tell me what else. And he goes, no, no, I'm not, I don't mean that. He says, I, I know, yeah, this was the worst experience of my life. But he said... Uh, he said, the prospect of cutting off my arm, he said, early on, you know, day two, day one, day two, I would think about it, and I just couldn't bear the thought of it um, when he was trapped. And he said, there was a, as I got closer to my death, he said, I started to realize that if I, well, number one, if I don't do this, I'm a dead man. Number two, if I do it, it'll be freedom. You know, I'll see my family again. If I face this pain, if I face this fear. So he said it was, uh, you know, we, we, we hear the details of the story and we're horrified and we couldn't imagine ourselves doing it. But if the alternative was death, then maybe you're, you're pre- or at least according to this guy, Aaron, his perspective on it changed. And I, I mentioned that, I think for this reason, I think there's a little bit of lint in that story. And I, and I, I mean by that is what we're really supposed to do during this great couple of weeks 
is to sort of face our fears and confront uh, confront things that we don't want to you know, look at things that we don't want to look at uh, things that are going on in our lives um, attitudes we've got uh, maybe it's just, it's a life kind of a lifestyle we're living I'm, I'm treating people with disrespect I'm cheating I'm cutting corners I'm lazy I'm not grateful to people that I that deserve it um, whatever it is, I've, I've gotten lazy. I've become a, just a load in terms of God. I'm not going to, I don't want to church. I don't pray. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And uh, nobody, those things I just mentioned, who wants to look at those things? You know, if I look at those, like, I don't feel good about myself. So I'm inclined to just look the other way. And if I'm saying, all right, I got to stop looking the other way. I have to look at it and now I have to do something about it. That's like the whole cutting your arm off thing. Um, like I don't. I, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to change whatever it is I need to change. But if I do, I'm free. If I do, I discover freedom. Um, it's like I, I, I think during Lent, what we're supposed to ask ourselves is, okay, what's the 800-pound rock? What's my 800-pound rock? What's keeping me, keeping me, holding me? from something else or somewhere else um, that I ought to be. And that's tough. Um, but it is it is freeing ultimately. So if we can approach the approach these weeks with a little bit of that, like, okay, wh where am I not really free? Like what am I what am I not hiding? Again, maybe it's a relationship that's just gone really bad with a person and you know, I, I, I'd like to, I know I should revisit it. Maybe it's a, I gotta try and forgive a person. Um, and it just, uh, I, I think Lent, and I feel like a bit of a fraud saying this because, you know, this is true. This is the way what Lent is. Like, frequently, in all honesty, I, you know, I begin Lent with, with great hopes and plans. And then, you know, by week two or three, there it's not, it's not what it, what it started out as. So, but hey, it's just that's just the reality. Like you asked, like you mentioned before, what do you do? Well, you get you get back in the fight. But that is really, I think, what Lent is about. I mean, it's not running around and get the ashes. Come to church. I'm not like anti ashes. I'm just saying, if it begins and ends with that, it never really started. Um, or if it just if it begins and ends with, you know, Friday nights in the uh, at the fish, at the seafood restaurant, or at the Italian restaurant, you need chowing on some meatless pasta. It didn't really, it didn't really go anywhere. Um, so anyway, that would be kind of like my take on it. Great. I think this is a uh, perfect opportunity, a perfect place for us to stop here. Uh, but Father, you know, thank you again so much for joining us and definitely giving all of us a lot to think about for the uh, upcoming Lenten season. Um, so again, thanks, Father. Oh, you bet. Have a great Lent. So uh, don't forget, if you've got a question, please send it in to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you could connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and feel free to share with your loved ones. We'll be back soon. And until then, God bless. Good night, Father. Take it easy.